0: Chapter 5 of Two Tactics of Social Democracy by Lenin. Read for LibriVox.org by Christian Picot at CommunistRevolution.org. Chapter 5 How should the Revolution be pushed forward? Let us quote the next section of the Resolution: "Under such conditions social democracy must strive to maintain during the whole course of the Revolution a position which will best of all secure for it the possibility of pushing the Revolution forward, which will not tie the hands of social democracy in its struggle against the inconsistent and self seeking policy of the bourgeois parties and which will preserve it from being merged into bourgeois democracy. Therefore, social democracy must not set itself the aim of seizing or sharing power in the provisional government, but must remain the party of extreme revolutionary opposition. The advice to occupy a position which best secures the possibility of pushing the revolution forward pleases us very much indeed. We only wish that, in addition to this good advice, they had given a direct indication as to how social democracy should push the revolution further forward right now in the present political situation, in a period of rumors, conjectures, talks, and schemes about the convocation of representatives of the people. Can the revolution be pushed forward now by one who fails to understand the danger of the theory of compromise between the people and the czar, by one who calls a mere decision to convene a constituent assembly a victory, who does not set himself the task of carrying on active propaganda for the idea that a provisional revolutionary government is necessary, or who leaves the slogan of a democratic republic in the shade. Such people actually push the revolution backward because, as far as practical politics are concerned, they have halted on the level of the Osvabjensi. What is the use of their recognition of a program which demands that the autocracy be replaced by a republic when, in a resolution on tactics that defines the party's present and immediate tasks in the period of revolution, they omit the slogan of a struggle for a republic? Actually, it is the position of the Osvabjensi, the position of the constitutionalist bourgeoisie, that is now characterized by the fact that the decision to convene a popular constituent assembly is considered a decisive victory, while a prudent silence is maintained on the subject of a provisional revolutionary government and a republic. In order to push the revolution forward, i.e., beyond the bounds to which the monarchist bourgeoisie is pushing it, it is necessary actively to advance emphasize and push to the forefront such slogans as will preclude the inconsistencies of the bourgeois democrats. At the present time there are only two such slogans. One, a provisional revolutionary government and two, a republic, since the slogan of a popular constituent assembly has been accepted by the monarchist bourgeoisie see the program of the Aswabjenia League and accepted for the very purpose of conjuring away the revolution, of preventing the complete victory of the revolution, and of enabling the big bourgeoisie to strike a huckster's bargain with czarism. And now we see that of the two slogans which alone are capable of pushing the revolution forward, the conference completely forgot the slogan of a republic, and plainly put the slogan of a provisional revolutionary government on a par with the Azvabzhinya slogan, of a popular constituent assembly calling both the one and the other a quote, decisive victory for the revolution yes such is the undoubted fact which we are sure will serve as a landmark for the future historian of the russian social democratic movement the conference of social democrats held in may 1905 passed a resolution which contains fine words about the necessity of pushing the democratic revolution forward but which actually pushes it backward, which actually goes no further than the democratic slogans of the monarchist bourgeoisie. The new Iskraists like to accuse us of ignoring the danger of the proletariat becoming dissolved in the democratic bourgeoisie. We should like to see the person who would undertake to prove this charge on the basis of the text of the resolutions passed by the Third Congress of the Russian Social Democratic Labour Party. Our reply to our opponents is, A social democratic party, operating in a bourgeois society, cannot take part in politics without marching, in one instance or another, side by side with the democratic bourgeoisie. The difference between us in this respect is that we march side by side with the revolutionary and republican bourgeoisie, without merging with it. Whereas you march side by side with the liberal and monarchist bourgeoisie, also without merging with it. That is how matters stand. The tactical slogans you have formulated in the name of the conference coincide with the slogans of the Constitutional Democratic Party, i.e., the Party of the Monarchist-Bourgeoisie. Moreover, you did not even notice or realize this coincidence, thus actually following at the tail of the Aswabjensi. The tactical slogans we have formulated in the name of the Third Congress of the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party coincide with the slogans of the Democratic Revolutionary and Republican bourgeoisie. This bourgeoisie and petty bourgeoisie in Russia have not yet formed themselves into a big people's party. But only a person who is utterly ignorant of what is now taking place in Russia can doubt the existence of the elements of such a party. We propose to lead, if the course of the Great Russian Revolution is successful, not only the proletariat organized by the Social Democratic Party, but also this petty bourgeoisie which is capable of marching side by side with us. In its resolution, the conference unconsciously descends to the level of the liberal and monarchist bourgeoisie. The Party Congress, in its resolution, consciously raises to its own level those elements of the revolutionary democracy that are capable of waging a struggle and not of acting as brokers. Such elements are mostly to be found among the peasants. In classifying the big social groups according to their political tendencies, we can, without danger of serious error, identify revolutionary and republican democracy with the mass of the peasants. Of course in the same sense and with the same reservations and implied conditions as we can identify the working class with social democracy. In other words, we can also formulate our conclusions in the following terms. In a revolutionary period, the conference, in its national political slogans, unconsciously descends to the level of the mass of the landlords. The Party Congress, in its national political slogans, raises the peasant masses to the revolutionary level. We challenge anyone who, because of this conclusion, may accuse us of evincing a penchant for paradoxes to refute the proposition that if we are not strong enough to bring the revolution to a successful conclusion, if the revolution terminates in a decisive victory in the asvobjensi sense, i.e. exclusively in the form of a representative assembly convened by the czar, which could be called a constituent assembly only in derision, then this will be a revolution in which the landlord and big bourgeois element will preponderate. On the other hand, if we are destined to live through a really great revolution, if history prevents a miscarriage this time, If we are strong enough to carry the revolution to a successful conclusion, to a decisive victory, not in the azvabjania or the new iskra sense of the word, then it will be a revolution in which the peasant and proletarian element will preponderate. Some people may, perhaps, interpret our admission that such a preponderance is possible as a renunciation of the view that the impending revolution will be bourgeois in character. This is very likely, considering how this concept is misused in the Iskra. For this reason, it will not be at all superfluous to dwell on this question. End of chapter 5 This recording is in the public domain.